I did everything I thought I was supposed to do. I got the, went to college and got the good job in IT and, you know, did all the things I thought I was supposed to do, but I was still unhappy and still had struggles with who I was. And um, as to just show that there, yeah, there is no right path. It's just discovering the true path to you because I think we get caught up in trying to follow what we think we should do instead of listening to what we know we should do, which is a much different thing. So, Welcome to the Social Fabric Podcast with me, Andreas Splendori. And this week, my guests are Daryl and Cormac Noonan, founders of Wolf Academy. The podcast is also broadcast weekly on Near FM 90.3 and Flirt FM 100.3. The music in this podcast has been shortened for rights reason. Please subscribe, share and review. It's the only way podcasts like this have a chance to survive. The title tune is Alice by Lucky Bones. Can I call you up, oh Alice, on a Friday night? We could reminisce on old days and we could talk a while. Just sit and talk a while. Without further ado, as they say, I'm just going to get cracking. I'll ask, start with one of you and we can move around as, as we go along. And if you need to speak at the same time, there's no problem. But uh, <laughs> we'll try to stay, we'll try to stay one on one for for a while. So look, at, let's start with Cormac, who's the one who's off, off mute. So Cormac, Noonan, thanks a million. And yourself and Daryl, your brother, are here to have a conversation with me about what you're doing at present with the, the Wolf Academy, which I'm really fascinated and interested in knowing a bit more about. But as always, I'd like to start a little bit earlier in that, just to see how you got to be uh, doing what you're doing. And as I was saying just before I turn on the microphone, uh, Navin, tell me about Navin, growing up in Navin, what's that like for you? Yeah, um, yeah cheers for having us on, Andrea. Um, I suppose for me, growing up in Navin, we went to an all boys school, St. Pat's, and I think that had a big influence on, I suppose, my experience as a teenager, because for me anyway, I felt that I kind of had to become this hard man for some reason. I, I suppose I didn't want to show any weakness. So growing up in the all boys school, internally, I was probably very insecure, but I tried to show that I was physical by my physical appearance. I was always kind of into the gym and stuff at a young age. I kind of got into the gym and I was strong on the football pitch. And I kind of showed that I was this person who wasn't afraid of anything. Um, but I, as I said before, in one, I used to do a bit of blogging and I think I said, um, I was more afraid of a verbal attack than a physical, like, so I'd, get into fights much more easily than like verbal insults would really hurt me, but like something physical couldn't hurt me. So I suppose I think that like being with all boys can be good in some aspects, but in other aspects can really push us to put a shell around ourselves and try and protect ourselves from being vulnerable. And also I think then when I went on to college, I also didn't really know how to treat women with the respect that I probably should have been treating them. So, or even know how to talk to them properly. I was useless at that. So uh, it kind of, I think it pulled me back in some sense, just being with all boys growing up in Navin and trying to be the hard man. Um, and maybe other people saw me as that, but inside I was, I didn't know who I was and I was just trying to fit in with the crowd. And I think a lot of young people are trying to do that still today. We all just want to fit in. We don't want to be different. But then as you get, then as I got older, I realized I went to college. I didn't have my mates around me. And I kind of was like, who the, who the fuck am I? Um, it's like, I don't know who I am because I've always just been part of this group. And then I kind of had a bit of a personal crisis at that time where I was like, I have to discover who I am. And I suppose that kind of led me on the journey of discovering who I was. I went, worked in IT for a while, went traveling to Canada after that to really discover what I wanted to do with my life and who I was. And I suppose that kind of got me into these practices like meditation, journaling, um, spending quiet time by myself, just sitting with myself. 
And yeah, I suppose I kind of realized what I love to do is connecting with people, writing, expressing myself um, and helping others kind of connect with themselves. So that kind of led us to the work we're doing today. Um, so that's just, yeah, a snippet of yeah, what yeah. led me yeah, yeah. where I am today. Just before I give Daryl the, 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 the microphone, just you say something there really interesting that you, you realize when you were in college that you, you perhaps didn't treat women with the respect that they deserved. Mm. What was there like, was there a natural something that happened that really made you realize or was that a, a progression of realizing that what, what happened? Yeah. Um, so I think in secondary school, when you're around all like other boys, you tend to talk about women in probably not the nicest way because, you know, I don't know, that's just the way we talked about them, but none of us really thought like that. But then I think when I went to, to college, I probably brought some of that with me that um, kind of, yeah, just disrespect maybe and not knowing really how to communicate with women. Um, and I also, I was very, I think I was really just looking for love from women, but I didn't know how to communicate that. Um, so I'd, I'd kind of, sometimes I'd give myself too much and be too open about how much I liked the girl after, you know, a couple of times meeting them and that would push them away. And then I realized I got my heart broke a few times by doing this, that I decided to go cold. And I think that was really when I started maybe treating women or mistreating women, not in terms of physically or anything, but like mistreating them in terms of not respecting them. Um, because I had kind of been hurt by giving myself too much and I decided to just be more cold and yeah, just, I suppose I look back on it now, obviously not proud of the way I didn't treat them with the respect they deserve, but I realized why I was doing it was because it was hurt and I was really just looking for love. And I thought, I don't want to be hurt anymore. So I'm just going to put a shield in front of my heart and, you know, keep them at a bit of a distance, treat them mean, whatever. Um, and yeah, I realized that didn't work either after a while. And then <laughs> I eventually said, if I ever want to actually love someone, I'm going to have to open up again. So uh, it took me a while to open up again, but I got there and yeah. And then I realize now how amazing it is when you allow yourself to be vulnerable and be loved by someone and love someone else fully. Um, and I still think it's a process of always continuing to love myself more and allowing myself to be loved. But yeah, it's, it's a much better way of living. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks for sharing that. It wasn't just a personal curiosity. I just wanted to hear because you mentioned about the old boys school and not you know, not being able to express the feeling. So, you, you know, you've come a long way and you've come maybe a few times around the circle, but that's, and, and obviously that's what informs you guys with the Wolf Academy. So thanks for that. Mm -hmm. But like you guys are kind of um, Irish twins, if I'm correct, you know, Daryl, you're, I can't remember if you're just a year younger or a year older, but anyway, you're very close, right? About a year apart. I'm a year and six months older in comic, I think. There, thereabouts. Yeah, yeah. Probably Although everyone Irish thinks twins. I'm the younger one. <laughs> very good and tell me about your story then the similar or what, what else what, what else can you add to what Cormac will say there about your, your, your growing up and um, well like me and Cormac were only what a year like in six months apart like I said but we had totally different lives um, I got very lost in secondary school um, I was I spent the whole time trying to run away from myself um, disconnect from who I was and become someone else. Um, I lost a very close friend at 14 and my thoughts became very negative and very, I had no respect for life. I didn't see what the point in it was. So I found alcohol very soon after that. And I just immersed myself in that because it actually allowed me to create a new avatar, if you will, where I could act like I was happy and I could act like I was outgoing and I could act like I was loving life when really I wasn't. 
whatsoever. Um, I didn't want to, I had a lot of stuff that I didn't want to complain about because of the accident that I was in where my friend lost their life and other girls lost their lives as well. I wasn't actually physically injured, so I really didn't want to complain. So it was one or two people out of, I think, about 54, 52 that wasn't physically injured. So obviously I was grateful to be alive, but I didn't, I didn't feel I could could complain or say anything bad. And that's what I was running away from then. It was, was those negative thoughts and those negative feelings. But I got so lost in it through school, I didn't even know what I was running away from after a while. Um, like that bucket of shame and guilt I had, I was just adding to that with all the stupid things I would do on these binges. Like I call my younger brother, but we have another two younger brothers. And I would come home and all those negative emotions I was holding in that I wouldn't let anyone else see, they would come out when I was at home and I was drunk. And But they came out as like anger, violence, destruction. It wasn't coming out in tears at the time um, or sadness, whatever way you want to say it. But So by the time I was finished secondary school, my parents actually booked me a one-way flight out of the country. Um, they had the other, other lads to look after, probably themselves as well. I was getting in a lot of trouble. Um, with the law as well, and I wasn't accept. I wouldn't accept any help, and and part of me, even though I was pissed off that they were booking the one way flight, part of me was maybe hopeful that it could turn something around. Um, even though I was only talking about it with with my partner Amanda yesterday, the day I was leaving because she actually seen a photo in our home place yesterday of the day I left, and she goes, "You can see the sadness in your eyes." And I actually remember the day I was leaving, I was saying goodbye to someone and I was driving home and I was this close. I know people listening won't be able to see, but like so, so close to um, turning the car into the ditch because I thought if I crashed the car, I remember I was listening to the Lonesome Boatman by the Furies, CD my father had given me. And I was so close to turning that car into the ditch because I was like, if I crash, I won't have to go. And that's where I was. But I went anyway. And it was, yeah, look, it was very up and down. I didn't, my biggest thing was not expressing. I was holding everything in. So that's why it was coming out in these, it was manifesting and coming out in horrible ways. And everything just got so much more destructive as the years went on with these binges, hurting myself. Um like letting people down, all the people that were close to me. And I spent three years in Australia, came back to Ireland, got even worse, left again for five years. And I actually ended up, I left again, went to London for five years. Things went really downhill there. Now I was having good fun at the same time, but it was just that the low moments were getting worse. Um, I was spending a lot of time drinking in isolation at this stage. Um, Suicidal thoughts were a common thing at the end of these binges. And um, and I kind of was getting, very, it sounds weird, but I was getting used to that. And, but it got to a point where I ended up deciding I was going to have to come home to get some sort of help. I didn't even make it home. I got to the, I made it to the airport in London, Stansted Airport, and then woke up in Bowmount Hospital in Dublin. Um, I didn't even know I was in Ireland. Um, I was just attached to a lot of the tubes and started pulling them out. And the nurse came in. I was like, I, I had to ask her what country I was in because I didn't actually know. Um, and I went into treatment, um, signed myself out. After two weeks, 12 hours later, landed myself in prison after signing myself out. Um, that was up the north. I was in there for a while got back out into treatment for three months. But why I was doing it this time was for everyone else's sake. I wanted to show everyone else that I was trying to change, but I still wasn't thinking of myself. So when I came back out of treatment that time, I stayed in Ireland, but I went back to that same routine where I would party all weekend and end up in isolation. And soon enough, it was it was just isolation all the time. And it could be up to seven 
seven days sometimes I would spend in a, in a room by myself only leaving to go to the off license and it was at that point I just I couldn't see a way out for myself so I was kind of accepting my fate I didn't I didn't expect to be around for too much longer to be honest and I didn't really give a shit either um but it was when there was a particular week I was actually faced with I felt in my body that I had less than 24 hours because I'd been in the room and for a, about a day and a half, I hadn't been able to actually use my legs to even get to the toilet. I tried bringing a mate and I couldn't actually speak. So I knew I felt my brain was shutting off from the rest of my body. And I just didn't feel like I had long left. It. My body was just so weak at this stage. And luckily enough, I was able to text our mother um, because I knew if she came up and seen me, she might, she'd more than likely ask me if I wanted help and I could accept it then. But it was in that moment where I felt like I was about to die. For, there's no other way to describe it. That's how I felt. And that's when I realized that I actually didn't want to die like this, in this room, by myself, like this. I always felt like I could do something, but this in this moment, I was... I wanted to change for myself. And that was the first time that I thought about myself. It was always, what is everyone else thinking? So I never actually really gave a shit about myself. And I hadn't since the accident, really, because I just, after seeing life being taken away in front of my eyes like that, I just lost the respect for it. Or, and, and I hadn't been able to get it back. And I lost respect for my own life. But in that moment, in that room, I actually thought about myself for the first time. And when I went into treatment, I've said this before, it was like, I was very overwhelmed by how, like, where do I even start now expressing? Because this went on for over 10 years. I was living that way. Um, I was like, how do I even start now? Like, I have this, mountain of shit I've been holding on to but someone told me to just start talking and whatever comes out just let it flow out and when I did it was straight away I, I felt better straight away and I realized in that moment that I didn't need to get rid of everything straight away it was just to be in the process of doing it and even at that, it kind of gives you that control that you make, it makes you feel like you're in somewhat of control of yourself. So I never felt in control of myself. I could, I could um, be on my way home, for example, having told myself all week I wouldn't go on the piss, I wouldn't drink. And all of a sudden, I've stopped, gone in, bought a bottle of vodka, and I'm walking with it. And it's like there was no thought process whatsoever. That's very hard to grasp for someone who hasn't experienced a, a full on addiction like that. But I would be doing that and I wouldn't even be thinking about it. It was like a robot nearly. So I never felt in control and taking that bit of control and opening up the side myself that I was going to do this, I suppose, was where the control, the feeling of control came. And, um, and it was, like I said, it was like a weight lifted off. And I just, I learned a lot of things in there about, because I think sometimes, and I think I had the impression as well, that if I start looking after myself, living this healthier lifestyle, that things will always be good. Because I thought when I was in addiction, if I just wasn't in it, that there'd be nothing wrong in the world. Like life would be a bed of roses, but it's not, you know? And like, that's that was the biggest learning, I suppose, was having those tools and techniques that I learned in there for the stress and the anxiety that will always come I just had it in my head it wouldn't if I wasn't drinking. But having those in place and actually using them, um, that was the biggest learning because, and that took a long ass time. Like I came out of treatment and I even I even messed up a couple of times after coming out, you know? Um, but it's I was able to jump straight back on to this journey of self-discovery, self care i was able to jump straight back onto that even when i had my few fuck-ups 
you know, and and I just I try to learn from every single mistake I make now since coming out there. Like even even at my lowest moment there at the start of the year, karma came up to me. Now everything would be going fine, but I, I had a huge self-sabotage. Okay, and I self-sabotaged back at close to the start of the year. And I remember when karma came up and even in the midst of it, I was feeling like shit because I had done so much and I felt like I was going backwards, but I knew, I said to him, I was like, something good is going to come of this. And that made me dive so much deeper into myself, into what was driving me, why I reacted certain ways. And I've discovered so much because of that mess, because of that, like there was a, the message I got from that mess was massive. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm going to stop there. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Look, I really appreciate well, it. I appreciate it. Your honesty and your and, and everything. But let me break it with a couple of songs, right? You gave me three songs each. We might just make. We might just get two songs each in. But let's start. Let's start with you, Daryl. The a gift and a course, Devlin. I just. Oh, that was Karma. Oh, that was Karma. Apologies, Karma. Why did you pick that song, Karma? Um, I picked that one because I remember at the time. I think I was probably around. 17, 18, I was young enough. And I was at that time when I mentioned when I didn't really know who I was. And there's a line in the song. It says, if you want to see the best of me, you have to see the worst of me. And I think that always just connected with me. And I just, I felt like no one understood me, but really it was, I didn't understand myself. So um, that that's what reminded me of that period of my life. You want to see the best of me. You gotta see the worst of me You wanna see the gift of me You gotta see the curse of me You gotta see the worst of me You gotta see the dreams of And then yours was there was a spirit bird, Xavier Rudd. Spirit bird, yeah. Um, that song. I was actually on a retreat. Um, I was on a retreat back in the summer, and that song came on. It was like a, a breathwork retreat, um, and that song came on, and I was getting all these visions, um. And it was the message I got in it was about how, because there's a lot of talk about ancestors in that and um, different traumas that they faced. And I do believe that that all gets passed down to us. And the message I really got was that I need to stop being afraid of people's judgments on how I express myself or express love to others, that I just need to intuitively go with it. Um, because I feel like there's, I have a, I've always had so much energy inside me. Everyone does, but I just, I've always had so much energy and I always expressed it so badly. Do you know, I always expressed it so negatively, but I feel like there's a lot in me that can, help others but not even just help others by by doing that i'm helping myself as well by actually expressing that energy in a loving way or in a caring way and i would i would have been so fixated on what people were thinking of me that i'd hold in a lot of the time even when it's something good i wanted to say to someone or do for someone i'd hold it in because like what would this person think if i did that or that person think if I did that so that song just reminds me of of doing that so that's why, like, anytime I stick that song on, it just brings me back to a place of peace and a place of love. And um, that's why it's one of the ones I picked. Give it time and we wonder why. Do what we can. Laugh and we cry. And we sleep in your dust because we've seen this all before. Culture fades with tears and grace, leaving us stunned. Hollow with shame, we have seen this all, seen this all before. Brilliant, thanks, Daryl. So, we'll go back to Cormac. He's finished his coffee. You can have yours. Uh, well, I'll ask him a couple of questions. Uh, 
So Cormac, uh, listening to both of your stories, and I always describe my life, and that poses everybody's life as crossroads. You know, we keep, we always follow a road, and then just left or right. And by the sound, you know, there's a short version you gave us. You went left, and Daryl went right, or whichever way we want to look at it. You went in different directions, but you did reconnect. Uh, obviously, your brothers, you obviously stayed in touch, and. And I could ask you all about that 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 period that Daryl talk about, but I'm, I'm really more curious about how you reconnected and how you re, you know, what this idea came from and how you 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 decided to to bring it forward, the the idea of the Wolf Academy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So during that time when I suppose Daryl had left and went away to Australia and London, and I was I was working in Dublin and I went traveling myself, so we kind of we didn't stay in touch much in that period um the odd time but um i remember actually i think it was bef- i always thought that daryl had something to give and i think i remember saying before he went into treatment one of the times like if like if you can you know overcome your struggles like you could always help other people that are going through something similar um but i always because i always knew he had that strength to overcome it and yeah, you know, then it was I was in Costa Rica. I think this was the start of twenty twenty, just January twenty twenty, I think. And uh Daryl rang me and I hadn't talked to him in ages. And he just said he had an idea to do talks in schools about he was after coming out of treatment and he said he'd love to do talks in schools about, you know, his his journey and the importance of expressing yourself. And he said he had said that like a lot of the older men um, that would have been in treatment as well were kind of saying you need to go in and talk to the young people because you're young and they'll listen to you more and um, so Daryl like felt the urge to kind of do that and share his story and I couldn't believe it because I was only after writing a book for young people um, it's called Discoverer's Destination to try and help young people discover their purpose because I struggled for a couple of years trying to figure out my purpose. So I wrote the book to try and help them discover theirs. And I wanted to go around secondary schools and do that. So I couldn't believe he said he wanted to do talks in schools. So I just thought, sure, we may as well do it together. Um, so that's kind of how it started. And funny as well, before that call, I was in Mexico um, up at the top of a mountain and I had a vision. Uh, the vision was of a wolf and it was a wolf tattoo on my forearm. That's what I could see in the vision. And I all I could think about was my brothers back home and a couple of my close friends. And it was about reconnecting with them. And the wolf had something to do with it. So um, that's partly where the name came from. And then, I don't know, Daryl, if you want to add to that, that part. Yeah, well, just on that thing with the wolf tattoo, I had had a thought to get this, the wolf tattoo in the exact same place Cormac had had. And it was only through our youngest brother, Sean. I had said it to Sean and he asked me, were you talking to Cormac? Did you say this to Cormac? And I said, no, because I hadn't been chatting to him. So the both of us had a vision of getting a wolf tattoo on a farm, which we haven't done yet, but we will. But um, <laughs> the yeah, so that's kind of where the idea for the wolf came. But also like wolves used to roam Ireland back in up till the 1600s, I think. Um, and they were like the stewards of the land. They they protected it. They protected the forests. They kept everything in order. They have such a great pack mentality. And I think they just, what they symbolize is very powerful. Um, and that's, yeah, that's why we kind of stuck with that team, I suppose. That's great. And what what interests me as well is the fact you say, you know, you're obviously close, right? You, you, you wouldn't work together if you weren't that close, but you obviously you mm. lost touch with each other. And that's, that's what life does to us. You know, you disappear and you come back into But that reconnection, do you, do you, do you think, and I don't know if you have the answer, do you think it's because both of you went through a, a different journey, but both a journey of introspection and, and opening up, like you both opened up in different ways you know, through a different path. But do, do you reckon that is something to do with this, uh, either of you, Cormac? Yeah, I, I do believe that, you know, things happen at certain times. Um, not always for a reason, but sometimes maybe for a certain reason. So it did feel like a natural reconnection 
because we went on different paths and came back to the same point, as you said, um, that we were meant to do this together and maybe show the, that like one path is no better than the other. Like maybe in society's eyes, my path was like more right because I went to, you know, I did everything I thought I was supposed to do. I got the, went to college and got the good job in IT and, you know, did all the things I thought I was supposed to do, but I was still unhappy and still had struggles with who I was. And, um, as to just show that there, yeah, there is no right path. It's just discovering the true path to you, because I think we get caught up in trying to follow what we think we should do instead of listening to what we know we should do, which is a much different thing. So I think, yeah, we're maybe we're supposed to reconnect at this time. Yeah. Like Cormac said there, we went on the two different paths and if you're if you're going off what you think you should do or society says you should do you can end up just as lost you know um if you're not living through your own like if you don't find out what your own values are and what makes you happy and what it is you like to do you're going to end up more than likely going to end up lost you know absolutely that's kind of what no, no, sorry, I just for, I forgot there was three of us. If if we get cut off, we'll go back in, in, in eight minutes. But, um, you know, because I definitely want to get into the, the Wolf Academy and, and really understand it and make sure that whoever is listening to this will understand that perhaps there's people out there that will contact you for 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 what you're doing. So um, give me your next song then, Daryl, while your, your mic is on there. I can't pronounce this. It's John Loon and... Uh, Ivor. I can't pronounce it either. Okay, that's the one then. It's, <laughs> I, it's, think it's, 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 I think it's some sort of Nordic language because I got the song from a show called Last Kingdom and it's about Vikings. Um, but that particular song, now in the show, it's actually played every time somebody dies in the show. But it's the most enchanting, mystical song I have ever heard. Um and it, it takes me to a different planet. And like, it also, the feelings of, how would I describe it? Like, it, it gives me motivation to do things. You know, at the moment I turn it on, it's like, it just, it's like energy is coming from my feet up right up through my body. And I just, I just want to, it just gives me that motivation to do things. Um, it's, it's mostly just a woman's voice. But it just gives me that, that motivation to to get up and go, Do you know, if I because I have a practice every morning where I um, sit in the room. I'm doing it in the dark these days, um, just with a candle, and either do a certain type of meditation, listen to some music after, a bit of journaling. But when I put that song on, it it just gives me that motivation to get up and and go about my day. about you Cormac Wardruna another strange one yeah another strange um that this kind of a similar I think it could be a Nordic song um but I, I think Daryl kind of came across a lot of these types of songs and they for me as well they seem to reconnect with especially this one like this warrior part of me um so I listen to this song on repeat whenever I'm doing some difficult physical challenge. So my girlfriend's from Mayo and I was down there a lot in the summer. And I used to, every time I go down, I'd always run up this hill. It was more like a small mountain. It was a big enough thing. I call it my mountain, but it's yeah, Killadoon Hill, it's called. But uh, I run up it and I just put that song in my earphones on repeat. And it just instantly gets me into this warrior mindset where it's keep going no matter what. And it's kind of like a repetitive, like, humming and a drum and yeah I think for me it's just important to reconnect to that warrior inside when 
especially when like if you're feeling a bit down a bit you know just not connected to yourself or it's stressed like what i like to do sometimes is just go and exercise because just moving is just such a great way to release that and reconnect with that inner strength and i just find that warrior kind of vibe out of that song so that's kind of what that reminds me of So look, let's get stuck into the Wolf Academy because everything you said to me up to now, it's really interesting and it is something that the reason I started this podcast four years ago, so it was very much that idea of uh, explaining, not necessarily explaining, allowing people to tell their story because I'm a great believer that it doesn't matter who you are, what you do, you're doing it for the right reason. And, you know, on this podcast, I've had actors, musicians, uh, super value managers, and anything in between. And I, I will keep meeting people that have a story. And the story, it doesn't matter eventually what you end up doing with your life, if you're doing it for the right reasons. And you guys <laughs> are kind of the perfect example of, of, as you both said, you know, because I went that way, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the right way, you know, for me. And obviously now that's, that's that, that, that knowledge, that experience, that life experience you both have, plus the studies and the, the meditation, everything you're doing, you want to bring it to, to the schools. That's, that's your aim, right? And I love the, the way you called it the living surf, spelled L-I-V-I-N-G. I love that. That's a great, a great uh, living surf. So yeah. yeah, it's brilliant. It's a great. So tell us a bit more what the, what the, the plan is and how to get this uh, out to, uh, I suppose schools is where you want to start, right? Starting from schools. Tell us how you want to go world domination or Ireland domination to start with. Yeah, sure. I might take that one. Um, I suppose, well, first of all, the living cert concept actually came from a girl that works with us, Yvonne Doherty. She's a mindset coach and she came up with the term and then... Uh, Shout out to Yvonne. Yeah, yeah. And then... Uh, <laughs> Another fellow who works with us, Tom Blade, he actually, he wanted to create something out of that. So he created this really cool video that kind of encapsulates what the living cert means. And it's really to give young people the tools they need to live life um, when they're in secondary school, not just, you know, the academia side of things. So we actually were doing a series of calls with different people in areas of well-being and education and just people with different perspectives on life to what that should entail for young people aged 15 to 18 what skills do they need before they go out into the real world um but a lot of it is down to a lot of the work we do we've kind of boiled it down to helping young people connect with and become their true selves whatever that is to them um so we're trying to keep it focused on the tools and the techniques such as meditation, journaling, breathwork, um, movement. So things they can, like they're not, there's no stigmas around them. They're just tools, you know, there's no beliefs that you have to have to use them. Um, we don't want to be going in there preaching certain ways of living. We're just like, here's the tools. You can use them to reconnect with yourself and discover your own path. Um, we don't want to be trying to, you know, impose a certain way of life that we think they should live. So it's just with the belief that each person has their own unique gifts and it's a matter of uncovering them and discovering what they want to do with those gifts. Um, so at the moment we're, you know, we're going around the schools doing talks, workshops, we have online programs as well. Um, we'll actually be creating some more online programs um, in the new year. And our kind of vision is we're in Ireland now Um maybe 2023 we're thinking maybe moving into the UK and seeing if we can help there create some courses because I think the students really connect with us because we share our stories and at the start of a workshop we kind of share like our paths and these are the tools we actually use like day to day to help us connect with ourselves and discover where we want to go so I think that 
authenticity seems to really um work with the students and yeah we would just kind of want to try spread it around ireland and get into as many schools as we can and we're bringing more people on board to do more workshops and we'd love to have one of the things we really would love to have is our own academy building where young people can come after they leave secondary school kind of like a mix between college and like a year out we were going to call it a gap year so like a growth and purpose year where they discover who they are um, they get to try different things we can have internships in different companies they'll have practical entrepreneurship where they're setting up their own social enterprise we'll try have a campus where they can actually live off site so it's kind of like going to college but it's just discovering yourself and it gives you that year before you decide what you want to do um so that's kind of our, and we'll have obviously stuff for like mind body spirit development in there too so um that's kind of where we want to go with it and there's no you know with maybe go to the uk in 2023 or the us or wherever else but we just want to focus on Ireland first and help people here. And if it grows bigger, it grows bigger. But if it doesn't, sure. Um, we just keep doing the work and seeing where it takes us. Yeah, no, it, it sounds great. And they, as I say, I've done some work in that area and still doing some work in the coaching business in that area. Uh, and it is most most needed. And if you, if you can get in, and I'm sure you're getting in the right places at the right time, that, uh, you know, what happened to both of you uh, and all of us, I should say, you know, you're younger than me, but, you know, 20, 30 years ago was it, you know, we didn't have the resources, you know, what, you know, when I was listening to Daryl's story, all I wanted to, to ask was, where was the support, you know, where was the support around what happened, you know, that tragic accident, but the support for the 14 year old kid. And I'm guessing that's what you're trying to create. You're creating that, you know, you both talked about the importance of talking, and expressing yourself in, in in different ways so it's that so that's the idea how is it how is it going i know covid has been here and it's been a complete nightmare for for any business and i'm sure it's affected you guys you know you're doing online but what's it been like going into the school daryl just uh, the, the few you got oh the many i don't know how many you got in so far but what has it been like to do it it's actually been okay um we've been into plenty of schools this year we've been in a lot and um, we've every province in ireland um so it's going well in that way um yeah like in terms of i'll be honest with the masks the we will not we won't wear them when we're doing a talk but we are not breaking any rules because we're over two meters away from the students and there is no point in us coming in to talk to people with a mask on our face and they can't see our facial expressions um and I think that's a fair enough point. But they're okay with that because, like I said, we're not breaking any rules. Um, yes, it would be ideal if the students could maybe interact with each other a bit more. Um, we do because they get such a huge learning from sharing what their own experiences with what we're doing with each other, bouncing ideas off each other. It creates a lot of creativity. Um, but we can still do that. Uh, we can still do it. Obviously, optimally, whenever there's no regulations, I still have hope that that's going to happen someday. Um, so whenever that happens, it would be optimal. But like, it hasn't it hasn't really hindered anything at the moment. You know, it hasn't. So luckily enough for that, because regardless of what's going on, like, you, I just think it would be it would be very poor decision by government or education boards or whoever it was if they were to stop this say us coming into the schools or anyone anyone that does this kind of work coming in to chat with students i just think it would be it wouldn't be right if they stopped it because of covid or whatever do you know um but but so if let's say i'm the principal of a school in Manuth, or oh, it doesn't matter where, and I want mm. to, Wolf Academy to come along and do something. Just give me the technicalities. What, what exactly uh, do you offer? For, so if somebody listening there said, look, I wouldn't mind getting these guys into the, in, into the door with or without the mask, whatever. That, let, let's forget, let's pretend the, the COVID yeah, yeah, yeah. by 1st of January. And so they call you guys. And what, what, what do they get? And what do you offer them? 
how practically so that we work? have yeah so the school will contact us um and if they're looking for our offers what we have is one hour work one hour talks two hour half day and full day workshops um and at the moment now we have other people on board with us so like Cormac mentioned Yvonne she will come in if it's a girl's school sometimes if it's a mixed school as well we have another girl Amanda my partner that's going to be coming on board to do workshops um around menstrual cycle awareness we have another guy Nathan he's a psychologist there's a master's in psychology he was with me last week in a school doing things on mental resilience so we tailor it for what we'll have a chat with, whether it's the principal, the TY coordinator, the wellbeing coordinator, see what it is they're looking for. And we have the variety of coaches now to, to tailor for the school, um, depending on what they want and the duration. So whether it's two hours, half day, full day. And in relation to that, then that's the in-person stuff. But having the online programs is a brilliant, fantastic continue, continuation for the students because we realize, we know ourselves, like you might look at an inspirational speech, for example, and you'll feel that motivation for a week and then you forget about it. Same with us coming in. They'll feel that motivation, but if there's nothing continuous, because with this kind of, if you want to call it like self-care or self-discovery or even just plain and simply looking after yourself, it needs to be continuous um for it to have an effect and an impact on your life so at that age it's very 15 to 19 it's very hard to have the motivation to keep up certain practices so with our online programs as a follow-on from the in-person um, it's affordable for every school we've made sure of that um, and they're just from the feedback we've gotten they're just a fantastic follow-on because it's just one lesson a week with, in, with practical tasks to implement them through the week and it just builds on each other for, for the three months or whatever it is that they're doing the online program. Brilliant. Yeah, no, I, I was hoping you'd give me that answer because uh, the unfortunate thing uh, over the years I've seen that exactly that, you, you know, the school opens up to something new but it's the one hour and that's it, or a day, it doesn't matter what it is, that's it. Then there's no follow-on, there's no... Uh, and the the unfortunate thing, the teachers don't have the time or the skills to carry on sometimes, you know, and so it's important that there is a follow-on someone. So it's great, it's great to hear that that is what you guys are doing. Um, before I ask you the last couple of questions, let's finish. We might as well stick all the songs in. In Dreams by Jay Jagdesh. Jagdish. That's another mm. that, that introspective one, Cormac, is it? Yeah, that, that's just one I came across recently enough. Um and kind of similar to one of Daryl's songs, the first time I ex I heard it was on a I was doing breathwork session, um, <laughs> with Breathwave Ireland, and it just came on, and I felt just so at the end of the breathwork, I felt very connected to myself, my heart, full of gratitude and love, and that song came on and just kind of enhanced that feeling, and like some of the lyrics in it as well are like, it's just I think it says like know you are loved, in one of them, and. I think that's such a great message to hear in a song for everyone because um, I was actually just reading some of Tony Griffin's book, new book there for teenagers. And I think at the start of it, he had a message to all teenagers and just saying, know that you are loved, like I love you or someone loves you. Because I think for me, deep down at the core of it all, what I was searching for my whole life was love and it was, I was looking for it in other people, in women or whatever, but really I was searching for it in myself. And I think that that song reminds me that I'm always loved and it just connects me again to my heart and, and then shining that love or that light back out into the world when I feel it myself. So um, yeah, it's just a beautiful song to listen to and um, that's what that reminds me of.
there your last one is uh, we deserve to dream shall we show you a again yeah we deserve to dream that song so I'll, let me start with this Come, it's going to be sick of hearing me say this over and over but since i really connected back to myself and found a love for myself basically i've been able to experience feelings of happiness joy love that i i didn't even know existed because they're like they're in me rather than me just thinking that this is what it is um and it was on a particular it was actually a, a breadwork thing as well with my partner amanda and it was at the very end and we were both lying down together and that song came on and the song speaks about always knowing that there was something more in life learning from your mistakes finding each other coming together and deserving to to dream you know and she has had her own struggles as well same as myself not the same struggles but like we both had struggles and i just feel like we found each other at the right time and that we do um like everyone deserves to dream so when that song came on the feel like like i said that feeling of love and happiness it was just at a peak peak state and i get that every time i listen to it um so that's why i picked that song whisper in the wind sent me home i believed there was something more Learned so much, fell in love with you Took my chances with what I knew With the places that had stained my hands And the files that I'd stored on my shelf Spent so long in the world giving chase Thought my place was some The question for both of you, perhaps it's the same question but you you can tell me what, like, I'm sure you've done different jobs up to this point. I'm sure you haven't, that, that's not your first mm. job, you know, like you're, you're, you're young enough, but you're old enough to have done a few jobs. But, but what's it like now to, to, to start? And, and the reason I'm asking is that I have my own answer. When you start to do something um, and you talked about values, you talked about the importance of other people and, and connection, etc. But what's it been like to start this business with like, and I'm sure it's like any other business, you know, has these ups and downs and good days and bad days, good week, you know, whatever. It's, it's a business, but but it's a different, you know, it comes from from a different place. If I if I if I'm hearing you correct, so what what's it been like to get this going as opposed to starting a new coffee shop in Navan, for wanting a better yeah. description of, of a different business? Well, yeah. what I would say on that is, I spent most of my life on building sites because it was. A steady wage every week um, and there was no thinking involved you went in you were told what to do that's what I wanted and I was just thinking there when I was in London in particular I actually just worked in a hole like digging in a hole I was working underground digging tunnels underpinning buildings and it's funny because I was in such a hole and that's what I was doing for work as well actually standing in one and and digging deeper do you know what I mean like I, I that literally just came to me there and then, but I had accepted that as my life. I noticed over in London, all the men, Irish men I worked with that had gone over there in the 70s, 80s. And this is not to sound to say there's anything wrong with them or whatever, but so many are heavily in different addictions, never want to return to Ireland, backs broken from being on site the whole time. And I had accepted that faith for myself. 100% fully accepted that for myself. And if I hadn't, I drove myself so deep that I actually needed to come home or dug that hole so deep, you could say. I never would have came out the other side to, to do this with Cormac. And I have to, I give a lot to Cormac. Um, I got myself out of all my own shit, you know, but with regards to helping me when I was starting this new life, if you want to say. Um, I owe a lot to Cormac because he was there. That's when we kind of reconnected back together. Do you know, it was actually the lockdown. The lockdown that really... I had already started all this stuff, but when the lockdown came, I moved home where Cormac was living. Um, and that's when... Or Cormac had come home just before or something like that anyway. 
And um, and that's what really helped me was being able to follow comics lead, you could say. Like I was following comics guidance and, and that's what really, I suppose, changed my life, you know. Now I had to do it all. I had to have the motivation to do it myself. Comic couldn't do it for me, but I was able to follow his guidance. And like when we started Wolf Academy and stuff, Cormac, obviously, Cormac had, a, had set up a non-profit before. He had a bit of an idea. I was fucking, I didn't have a clue. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, when I came, I couldn't even use a laptop. Do you know what I mean? So I can, I, I can now, obviously, but like, yeah. Um, I, f- I forget the question. <laughs> I know. It, it, oh, I, yeah. think, I, think, I think that picture of, of you in the oh, hall yeah. in, in London really kind of describes the difference, you yeah. know, where you are now. Really now, you're, now you're standing straight, you're standing upright, you're telling your story, and uh, you're telling it from the heart. That's that's what I'm hearing. And uh, so it's Yeah, I, I do. I do have to... I have a lot of gratitude for what we're doing because um, to be doing something that gives you such fulfillment and that's helping others. It's, and it's like you're in community or chatting with people, like for example, just chatting with you here now, like you get to meet people all the time and learn things from them. And it's just, it's, it's, it's honestly beautiful to be able to do this. And I am very, very grateful. And I, I do my best to not forget that because you can get swept away. And uh, no matter where, I think no matter what you you get or what not, not what you get what you achieve in life there's always your your ego will always tell you that you want so much more do you know it's like you just have to come back and ground yourself and remember what it is you have right now and and I'm and I'm able to do that now I never could do that and I'm only I'm only getting to grips with that now do you know um it's a very I think a very normal thing to always think you're not at your destination but there is no destination. Do you know there is no final destination? If there was, well, that'd be shit. Like, do you know what I mean? So, it's just it's just about enjoying that journey. Like, do you know? And and I and I'm able to do that now. And that's I'm able to say that honestly, which is, and like, yeah, it's just great to be able to do. It. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. How about you, Cormac? Um, that that yeah, starting the business. What's it been like? Yeah, it's kind of to echo what Daryl said, like, I would like, at times you can get caught up in the day to day. Like even last week, I was getting caught up in some of the day to day of the business side of stuff. And like, you know, I have some business mentors, I'm going through this business program at the minute. And they're kind of like, you need to be doing this, you need to be doing that. And I'm like, shit, I'm not doing enough. And then you're like, you feel this pressure. And then I just kind of took the weekend off. I was down in Mayo with my girlfriend and just, you know, going swimming in the sea and running up that hill. And just reconnecting again with myself. And then this morning, I just felt such gratitude for what I'm doing, what we get to do. And I, I, even as I said, just to talk to you on this is like amazing for me, just that experience. And it's reminding myself, I was listening to an audiobook like about the struggles that young teenagers have. And I just was like, it's not about you or the business, it's about the young people you're here to serve. So just when you reconnect to that, it comes back to that gratitude. That's like I get to, you know, work to try and help these people who are struggling. And it doesn't matter. You know, the business part is important. We'll get it up and running. But you know, there's there's more important things in life. And it's just such a privilege to be able to do this work. And the more I work on myself, the more I learn, the more I can help others. So it's it's kind of like a it's just compared to what I used to do in IT, sitting in an office just didn't want to be there, didn't feel I was making any difference. Um, it's just a long cry from that. So it's, yeah, very grateful to be doing it. Brilliant. And you both use words like, uh, you know, honesty and vulnerability, which are, I think are the two key ingredients to to any of this, you know, to really be true to yourself and what you're doing. Uh, so fair play to you guys. I hope I hope it all goes the way uh, you, you're expecting it to go. But before you, I ask you about your two books, I, when you were talking about, um, Daryl, when you were talking about coming back to Ireland and, and Cormac having your back, for want a better word, just remind me of the book I just read by John O'Donoghue, uh, Anam Cara. And if you haven't read it, I mm. highly recommend it. It's, uh, you know, it's the old Celtic uh, um, idea that we always have uh, a friendly soul beside us what is a, a relative and, and that friendly so is the only person I can see 
your whole self. We never see ourselves only. We can never see the our back. If we see our back, mm. we can't see our front. So it's uh, when you were saying that, I thought just it's uh, Anam Kara, well worth well worth reading. And, yeah, it is, and uh, definitely give it a listen. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's well, and uh, John, yeah, yeah, John O'Donnell is, is, is a spectacular uh, turn of phrase. Mm. Unfortunately, he passed away a couple of years ago, but a great, great poet as well. Mm. Um, yeah, so your books, uh, Daryl, you had a one day on your sorry, on the day on your life, Aubrey Marcus. I haven't read yeah, that yet. So that book, like when I'm chatting to the students, I one thing I really focus on when I meet them first is. Um, the importance of having a morning routine to like optimize your morning to create focus, energy, and motivation because most of us don't wake up with it. And it was that book from Aubrey Marcus that's what really kickstarted that for me. Um, and and it's it's so true. It's said in the title: "Own the day, own your life." Because if you optimize every day, every morning, if you optimize every morning you'll get the most from your day. If you do that every day, you'll get the most from your week, the most from your month, the most from your year, the most from your life. And it, it's just that ripple knock-on effect. And it really breaks down how you don't need to overwhelm yourself by thinking about the goal that you have in a year's time. You can break it the whole way down to daily goals and they're achievable there and then and they're not overwhelming. Um, and then by having a healthy morning routine, which is something I stick to daily that gives you the motivation and the energy and the focus to achieve those daily goals. And over time they will just build, build, build until you're achieving the bigger goals. And it's like I would say with the students, it's just that consistency start off small and stay consistent because when you see the change or when you notice it, You'll just notice it one day. You'll be like, that's probably because I'm doing it. And that's what drives you on to maybe do a bit more, you know, and just build on it. And it's it's not overwhelming that way then. And I learned a lot from that book, from that Aubrey Marcus book there. Um, and it always sticks with me because I read that again. At the same time, I moved home for lockdown and I was reconnected with Cormac and our other two brothers. The four of us were back in the house for the first time in over 10 years, do you know, when we were working out together every day, we were even re um, buying inflatable boats and going down the river and stuff together. And it was like, kind of like becoming, getting that playfulness out again, which we lose as we become adults, but we don't need to lose it because it brings you so much joy and people kind of um, nearly think it's, it's not allowed or something. Um, but it brings you so much, and we got to we got to, to feel that again, I suppose, back then. So that book, when I think about that book, I think about them times, and yeah, it's just all kind of connected in this nice nostalgic feeling. Brilliant, nice one. And about yours, the Unfettered Soul by Michael Singer. Mm. Yeah, so that book, the Untethered Soul, I feel I, I think I read it the first time over lockdown as well. Initial lockdown period, and I used to I had it on audiobook actually, so I was just listening to it as I went on my walk. I used to part of my morning routine was go for a walk every morning, and I, I, for a while I was trying to catch the sunrise every morning. So it was just beautiful to see that. And then on my walk, if you listen to that book, and for me, a lot of my journey was like discovering about the mind and you know these mindset techniques, and I I learned a lot about that and. I was always, you know, I was always in my mind a lot. My mind was always going and I was, always had ideas, which is great. But sometimes my mind kind of just overran itself and, you know, you create stories that you don't want to be listening to. And that book really helped me see the separation between the mind and the soul, I suppose. So like becoming the watcher of the mind instead of being in the stories of your mind like so it's just sitting in that seat of awareness and the book just really describes it very well with like the use of some great analogies and also talks about connecting back to your heart and opening your heart and i think he says in the book like the only way to keep your heart open is to not close it so 
a lot of the time we go around closing our hearts to protect ourselves. Kind of what I talked about, I was I used to put a shield around my heart because I was getting hurt all the time. So now I have to just try to keep it open and not close it when old patterns are triggered by someone says something or I feel like my ego is being threatened. I have to try and keep that heart open in that vulnerability. And I just think it's a brilliant book that I recommend to people a lot if they're asking for well, it depends. Obviously, I'd recommend certain books to certain people depending on what they're looking for. But I find that's a great one just to help you realize that you're not your thoughts and you're separate and you're the watcher. And if you can open your heart and let go of those ego stories, like it's a process of just letting go all the time. But if you can start that process, as Daryl said, you don't have to get to the, you don't have to knock down the whole mountain straight away it's just chipping away at those old stories and letting them go and um, that's for me the journey to freedom is is that journey fantastic and um, really really interesting uh listening to you guys both genuinely it's, it's been an absolute pleasure listening to you and uh, and i love to see the success of wolf academy deserves and if this does does help in any minuscule way it doesn't matter hopefully it helps in some way somebody listens somebody and, and i think that the beauty is that we heard your story a real story and that is what really informs what you're doing and i, I love that and, and i'm sure the the kids will uh, will uh, um, will benefit from whatever the tools you know you, you provide them a nice toolkit your your toolkit is not full yet you're building it up as you go along and that's the same for everybody else you're giving the, the ones you know for some of them will work, for some of them won't work, but that's a, it's a great journey. I'll put all the details in the show notes for your website and everything else you have, your socials, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but until that time, thanks a million, guys. Daryl and Cormac Noonan of Wolf Academy, thanks for joining me. Thank you so thanks, much, Andrea. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. But if I meet you somewhere Far down the line The sun still shines in your hair I'll kiss you once Then I'll say goodbye Yeah, if I meet you someplace Far down the line the sun still shines in your face I'll kiss you once Then I'll say goodnight Then I'll say